But no, while I search for the remainder of the notes, thank you both for being here today. It's podcast day. It is podcast day. Um, I'm Robert Gatewood. I am a, ple- a pleasure is mine to be the co-host for Heidi's Be and Master. Uh, this is episode two, and I'm just really excited that we're continuing the ball rolling downhill. How are you feeling today about it, Heidi? I mean, I'm super excited. I got some really wonderful people in front of me, so... Don't oversell it, but I appreciate you. We have at least an an awesome guest today. We do have an awesome guest. So, I mean, I'll give the floor to you. You let me know how I can help guide the conversation, but I'm really curious to learn about... Your name is... Katie. Hi, Katie. Hi. (laughs) So, yeah, uh, give me a little bit of an intro. Sure. So, um, Katie used to be Katie Prescott, and so in my phone, she's still Katie Prescott. (laughs) In my husband's phone, I'm still Yoga Katie from when he was dating two Katies, so... (laughs) That's a... We'll talk later thing. Um, (laughs) Been together 10 years, married for almost two now, I'm still Yoga Katie. (laughs) You know, it's, it's... it's just in the phone. It's not a nickname. I mean, but yoga must matter to you. Yes. There it is. Yes. So that's, that's why, really. That's also, it's where he met me, which I think is why I became Yoga Katie, because the other Katie was blonde Katie. So, <laughs> See, you're doing a thing. That's an active adjective, and they're just blonde. Jeez. Yeah, we'll touch that later. Um, but yeah, Heidi, you invited Katie to be your first guest proper. Why? I What's did. Awesome? Um, so Katie and I met, how many years ago? Almost six? Almost six. Almost six years ago. Yep. Um, which was a unique situation. <laughs> um, I thought we were having a conversation about just general what she might do at the Y or joy. I don't know. It was set up weird. And I thought I was having a job interview. <laughs> because a mutual person between us. Wanted to hire me and then decided not to, and then was like, Heidi will hire her. But then t- <laughs> Heidi was like, I don't have any job positions. So the guy was just like, well, just have a conversation with her. She's got great ideas. Have a conversation with her. By the end of the conversation, Heidi was like, what job do you want? <laughs> and I created one. <laughs> that is leadership. <laughs> I created one. It's also curious. Are, are we saying that you didn't know... That she didn't know. I thought I was going for an interview. I had my resume. I had references. And she thought we were just chatting. (laughs) Yeah, I was told, have a conversation. Just have a conversation with her. Like, he followed up multiple times. And I was just, like, so annoyed that I was like, fine, I'll have a conversation with this girl. Well... No, now now we're sitting on a couch. We're sitting on a couch in, in the beautiful neighborhood of Collinwood in Cleveland, Ohio. What what city did you two meet in? Was it here? Westlake. Westlake. Okay, yep. so someone local. Very cool. Yeah. But okay, it's local. It's local. It's You're local. not. Well, you are now. And Katie, I am not. Are definitely not. I am I'm, not. I, I know that uh, <laughs> I was previously told you're a Vermont-born, Southern Virginia-grown, Northern Virginia. Educated. There's a difference. There will, is a difference. I feel like we should touch on what difference as a Clevelander who has barely left his city, let alone yes. state. Um, Northern Virginia and Southern Virginia should be two separate states, and no matter who you ask and where they live, they would agree on that and that alone. <laughs> Southern Virginia hates Northern Virginia, Northern Virginia hates Southern Virginia. 
They both agree they should be two different states. So, back to, would they fight each other? Would they fight each yes. other? Yes. yes. So, there, I asked if there's a place in the world. Virginia. Uh, we found it. Cleveland. Okay, Virginia. Virginia. <laughs> I've got some family that used to stay in, so is Richmond in the northern portion? Richmond's northern. Okay, that's, I think I would have traveled through southern. I've never stayed there. All that's, of the people I know good. are northern. <laughs> good. Okay, I'm on the right side. Yes. Southern Virginia listeners, we literally don't hate anybody. No. It's just, they're better, I'm guessing. It's it's so, east side, west side type thing. That's what I felt. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, but born in Vermont. Yes. And so were, did you get raised at all in Vermont? I spent the first 12 years of my life oh, in Vermont. okay. So kind of raised there. But the formative teenage, where I became me, you. was in Southern Virginia and... I think I became me because of Southern Virginia without becoming a Southern Virginia, like, debutante. I became the opposite of what Southern Virginia girls are. I think because despite, in in, in spite of where I lived, <laughs> not because of. <laughs> no, I hear that. I mean, uh, with your education in Northern Virginia, or mm-hmm. Southern Virginia, private, public? A mix of the two. Um, So when we when we moved when we moved down there, um, we moved from Vermont, who has one of the best education systems in the country, to Southern Virginia that has struggling. It's it's struggling, and I can understand. My mother had heard horror stories about the public schools. Horror stories. So she was like, "Okay, private school is the route." There was only one private school in the entire town we lived in that went from like elementary school to high school. So that was the one they enrolled us in. It was a religious based private school. um, That was part of a religion that we were not a part of. Um. (laughs) For the listeners, I did this and that's going to be an emoji later. uh, So I didn't fit in. And after three years, um, I was told I was not getting expelled, but I would not be welcome back next year. (laughs) Which you was, don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Yeah. How old were you? At I that was point? fourteen. <laughs> awesome. Fourteen. I was told I was a bad influence on all the good, all the good students, and so I had to find. A, I'm starting under. I'm under, <laughs> I'm under I had to find a different school to go to. So my parents found the most private public school they could find. It was called Gal- Galileo Magnet. Um, it was a science and math magnet school with exactly awesome. two hundred kids in the entire school. There were. 50 in my class. <laughs> so Katie had become our tech person on our journey. Yeah. Um, but she cannot I, sew a button. I, yeah. There was no home ec. <laughs> I did learn how to program robots. But I can't I sew to save my life. I don't know how to do my taxes. <laughs> she does do taxes every month. I do. My, she does her my, taxes. My dad does well my enough, taxes. They are done my, for you. Your they taxes are done. Are done. <laughs> my taxes are done. Um, I don't know how they're done. <laughs> It's, that's fair. I mean, I've trusted into it with my life for 12 years now. I just keep knocking on wood, no one calls. Uh, so, very interesting. So, we've only gotten Katie through year 16 at this point, yes. it sounds like. Yep. Uh, do you enjoy programming? Is that like, are you an, are you a tech person in no. your mind? Like, yeah. Because I'm reading you and I don't intend to judge. I'm not... But I'm like, I don't know. No, feel... I became the IT person in our situation because she struggles to turn on a laptop sometimes. <laughs> Everyone I has their gaps. strengths. Hey, tech is not hers. Yeah. I know what my strengths are. <laughs> I know what my weaknesses are, and I'm okay with them. Yeah. No, I became our tech person because I'm good with Google. 
and I will smack things around until they work. But that, <laughs> is, on and off. that is all I do. I can promise. Um, I just, okay, so now we're at year 16, 17, 18. You're getting to graduate. Only school. That's the only school you went to? Those are the two. The You're the only, I'm going to, that's a gamble, but I'm going to presume you're under 33. I turned 33 in August. Yep. Well, I did college, so there's that. I did it. You um, did it. <laughs> I'm like, I wanted to say 28, and I'm like, no. Not that young. <laughs> She's got some seasoning, definitely older than that. But if that's the case, like, where did, at what point did uh, yoga enter your life? Okay. Yeah, that happened after college. I um, came back to Southern Virginia, and I was very, very sad. <laughs> I loved my job where I was, but I did not want to be in the town I was in. Um, and this yoga studio opened um, and they did a like free week. They were like unlimited classes. Just come try it out because um, the town I lived in, um, yoga was, they spoke Sanskrit and that was the devil's language. So um, they had to give people a free week to realize that yoga was not a cult. Um, and that it was like exercise, <laughs> but not just, just exercise. but not just exercise, but like they had to, they had to give Primarily people for the folks that are nervous. Yeah. They had to give people a chance to like realize that yoga was not like a doorway to hell. Um, <laughs> I knew it was not a doorway to hell. I had just never had a good yoga class yet, but I went to this studio and on their opening day and I took a class. It was a 90-minute class in a 100-degree room. And at the end of every class, they do Shavasana, corpse pose, for 10 minutes. And That sounds pleasant. It, it's not. Mm. It, it is and it's I'm, not. I'm joking, but... Yeah. Um, so corpse pose? I mean, like, I feel like some Mondays I'm there, but it's I feel literally like it's literally like good or it's bad. There's two different... And, and I... It's probably one of the hardest poses. I always tell people it is. Is this a beginner's class? Yes. Well, this was not. This okay. was not a beginner's like, class. But course should... pose is the hardest. It's always been my hardest. Um, because I have, I call it my monkey mind. It's It jumps from subject to subject, mm-hmm. thing to thing. It's never quiet. Um, even when I'm trying to be quiet, it's like, remember that time 10 years ago you embarrassed yourself? <laughs> Let's focus on that. Um, and after that 80-minute hot class in those 10 minutes of Shavasana, for the first time I could remember, my mind was quiet. That's awesome. And so once Shavasana was over and the class was over, I left my mat where it was. I went out to the lobby. I said, is there a class after this? They said, yes, a 60-minute class in a 100-degree room. And I said, okay, sign me up. And I went back to my mat. And I did the class right after it. And after that, I was hooked. I was there every day. Um, I met my husband there. <laughs> I was there every day, and within months, I was like, I'm going to be a teacher. That's awesome. <laughs> That's really awesome. I don't know. Heidi, do you have any experiences? Like, I've never heard that level of a passion being ignited that quickly. I don't. And then knowing. I don't think that um, Holy moly. It, it has ever happened, like, that fast. I think that... It really, in that time and place in her life, I think it just, like, it spoke to her her soul and who mm-hmm. who she was going to become. And she was able to identify it because she was able to connect with herself again. Um, oftentimes, I think 
we're so disconnected. And when you actually hit the mat, that's where you actually get reconnected. So I think a question for Katie might be, what have you seen in other people or yourself mm-hmm. where you've seen that reconnection? Um, I mean, I could speak for myself personally. It, I realized who I was and who I wanted to be. And it was really, it, I made sense. That's what I always come back to is like, I make sense to myself on my mat. And it also gives me, if I have a very good class and I have a great quiet corpse pose for 10 minutes, it gives me that space and that silence and that quiet to reorganize what else is going on in my brain, in my life, in my body. And so when I'm stressed about something, I take a yoga class. When I am upset about something, I take a yoga class. When I just feel overwhelmed, I take a yoga class because it allows me to take that breath, find that space and figure out what's stressing me out, what I can do to fix it, if I can fix it, or if I just need to be in it at this time. Um, and I found that in a lot of people, it just gives, it gives you the space to become or to just be. So I have a question that I think maybe some of our listeners might be asking, like, what is a good yoga class? Because <laughs> let me tell you, I've, I've gone to some that were like, mm, can I just like walk out this door? And then I've had you. And I would say to everybody out there, Katie has been probably the best yoga teacher. I'm not just saying that because, you know, she's a rock star, but literally <laughs> she is the best yoga teacher I've had. Um, so it... It varies from person to person. It kind of depends on what you're looking for. If you're like me and you have that constantly moving mind, I always recommend classes that kick your ass is the best way I can describe it. Because if you're, if there are people who I see, who I recognize myself in them. And the only way to get you to be quiet is to exhaust you to the point where you have to be quiet. That's your only choice. You have to be still. Um, for beginners, there's slower based classes. Um, but I personally think you can tell if the teacher is being authentic or if the teacher's like, I'm teaching yoga cause that's the new thing to do. Um, and you can tell if they are actually walking the walk with you or if they are just kind of going through the motions and, when they're going through the motions, you you know, and the class feels weird. It just, it doesn't, the practice feels weird. Um, I also have been to classes where, um, I was telling you, just to get technical with it, transitions between poses matter. <laughs> when you're going from one pose to another, it needs to feel good and make sense in your body. And I've been to classes where the teachers are like, I saw this on Instagram and it looked really cool and we're going to do it. And you know, they never actually tried it because you're like, this doesn't feel right. So, <laughs> so as, as, but that comes from walking the walk. If they're doing the class or if they've practiced it before they teach it. That sounds like that would be a minimum work. expectation. So you, now you I have think, a new fear, you would but think. I should have already had because I've observed this in other creative places. You would think. <laughs> so am I hearing correctly that the experience, being exhausted, you're making a distinction between being exhausted mm-hmm. and something that sounds more more like uncomfortable, painful, because there are technical there parts are, of yeah. it. You should never, and that's the other thing, you should never be in pain in a yoga class. 
Okay, so what? I've had bad yoga classes. Yes. Exclusively. You should Exclusively. never. They've been so the, they're teachers, and I, I always joke, because this is the other hard pose for me. Um, like, okay, so I have this innate fear of getting my feet over my head. I don't like doing inversions. I can do them. I don't like them. Okay. Hardest poses for me are corpse pose and child's pose. And if you've ever been in a good class, child's pose is like a rest if you've never been in it. You're sitting and you're like leaning forward with your head down on the mat between your arms, your butt's on your heels. It's, it's like a bow. Got it. Um, it's a resting pose. If you have a good teacher, they make sure you know that pose is always there for you. And no one's going to judge you if you take it. So if they're teaching a pose that hurts you, instead of pushing through it, go to child's pose. If you've lost track of your breath, go to child's pose and fix and like find your breath again before you rejoin the class. That is hard for me because I'm like, I will pull both my hamstrings and break a toe <laughs> before I get into child's pose. <laughs> so what I'm hearing is teachers should not be leaning into that part of me. No. Like, because, again, my nature requires I'm here to accomplish. Mm-hmm. But and that means there's if we're doing 10 poses, I need 10 check marks. Yes. But, the, but sometimes accomplishing is realizing yes. that two of those check marks aren't working for you today. And what will work for you is finding child's pose. See, the work for you part. Yes. That is, that's an interesting level of thoughtfulness that isn't. It had not been evident. I'm going to do the best I can to keep that vague. <laughs> but I've had almost exclusively painful ones where it's like, oh, no, everyone can do this. You're able to do this. No. And that's like psychologically, I like that. But mm-hmm. I'm hearing that's the reverse of what should be happening. Well, yeah. And I think it's important because it's like what you do on the mat, like being able to put yourself in check and go, this isn't working for me today. It might work yesterday. It, it might, might work, work tomorrow. tomorrow. Gotcha. But like being able to go, this is not working for me today. This is not part of my journey. And I think that relates so much to life and being able to go, this is not working for me today. This is not part of my journey today. Whether you're on or off the mat, I think is so important. And I think we lose ourselves sometimes when we're not able to put ourselves in check and be like, does this actually feel right? And if it doesn't feel right, allowing ourselves to step back. And I think oftentimes, even maybe in society, we're just ingrained in ourselves to go, I need those 10 check marks. I I need that A plus. I need to push the person on the mat next to me can do this so I can do this. So Mm -hmm. we then compare ourselves to the person next to us. We we don't actually check in with ourselves and seeing where we are in our in our life. And that that way in yoga, you're able to start that actual mindset you find it on the mat and then you allow that to translate off the mat how did you find that so i find that you two uh (laughs) i've had enough conversations off mic with heidi that i'm hearing parallels i'm imagining you two both reached that understanding in different ways because i I don't know if i mentioned in the last podcast heidi definitely educates through a lot of how she's doing her work Mm -hmm. you became a yoga teacher I don't know that you went into the initial yoga session with the idea you were going to teach. I did not. Have you ta- have you taught anything else? Are you a teacher otherwise? Have you? Uh, I went it- to college and got a minor in education. <laughs> so, so. The- okay, so that's an awesome segue as well. Uh, so no, there is an educator <laughs> there, in there, you. There is with. an educator in me. Um, and then I, after college, realized I didn't at all want to teach. Teachers are saints. They also put up with a lot of 
bureaucracy and red tape, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to deal with any of that. So I went into nonprofit where you still deal with that, you know? <laughs> I didn't laugh as loud as it sounded. Um, but um, so there is um, an educator in me. Um, I think for me, what it was is I had a really good teacher. Um, he, I, I laugh. Um, I love my husband. My teacher is my soulmate. We were supposed to meet. We were not supposed to date. We were not supposed to get married. We were supposed to meet and be in each other's life. Yeah. Um, and he, he actually saw a yoga teacher in me before I did. Um, I was just, I was content going to yoga every day, sometimes twice a day, sometimes three times if I could squeeze it in during my lunch break. And they, the studio opened in August and in October, Dustin, my teacher looked at me and said, you're going to become a teacher. That same year. That same year. It'd been like three months. He was like, you're going to become a teacher. And I was like, no, no, I don't think so. And then the woman who owned the studio, she opened up a instructor training course and he texted me and said, I've signed you up. Um, here's a, there's a deposit that you need to pay. Um, but the owner's actually going to give you a discount because you're here so often. She will make more money if you, cause I had an unlimited membership. Um, but I was going three times a day, so she was losing money on me. So he was like, she's giving you a discount because she will make more money once you are not exclusively a student. (laughs) See, I'm like still hoping and praying that like maybe Katie will become a a teacher that teaches her curriculum, her, her idea of yoga. I, I will say I tried to get my teacher, yoga teacher license things. It just didn't feel right. And I keep telling her, I was like, when you do, when you do, <laughs> I, I will be your first student. <laughs> I will be your first student. Um, the, the program I was going through, it just didn't click with my soul. And I know that whatever Katie puts out there is going to be amazing. And I'm hoping and trying to convince her that she needs I'm going to open a it. studio before I open a school. No, <laughs> she needs to teach me first. Those, like... <laughs> Do I'm, not, I'm not going to do that to you because this space, our energies tend to, if that's the thing, universe is like, oh, okay, well, Let's make it happen. here's a weird way to do that. But <laughs> you mentioned the soulmate thing. I want to touch that because that's a really interesting, non-typical, but I agree with wholeheartedly thing. I found that there are people mm-hmm. I connect with, don't know why, but eventually they matter. They're supposed to be, yeah. Um, I find it's easy to hear that for me, and I know other people don't necessarily hear that and not attach the romance non yeah the non-platonic nature of mm-hmm. soulmates is what is the only thing they know like no well like your best friend is your soulmate yeah and sometimes your best friend from high school isn't going to be your best friend in college and they'll come back when you're both great well like that's it, you know so i i've always said first of all i'm of the belief that no soulmate should ever be romantic they should always be platonic but the other thing is sometimes a soulmate is in your life forever and sometimes forever lasts a month but however long they are there is exactly how long they are supposed to be there and what you get from that relationship ideally you're both getting something but what the two of you get from it is why you were brought together so in this case i was supposed to meet this man (laughs) so that i could become a yoga teacher (laughs) so then her and i so that i could come to cleveland and connect with Heidi. so yeah this is during the college period this is prior to other lifestyle changes, which I imagine... How long have you lived in the general Northeast Ohio area? 
I moved here six years ago. Okay. Yeah. Followed so, a boy. Um, <laughs> I did get that note. Um, the end result is what matters. Where we are now, yes. not necessarily the journey. Yes. Um, was that the sort of thing you had planned to do? Or did it kind of happen because you were compelled through feelings to do it? So, um, like I said, um, met I met my husband in a yoga class. Um, actually, I met my husband in Justin's yoga class. He showed up one day and um, I was sitting in the lobby waiting for class to start and I was on my phone. And my husband was sitting on the couch across from me and Dustin was like, Katie, look up from your phone, talk to the new kid. <laughs> so Dustin just sees... He sees, he sees my life he sees your... and he tells me what hey. I'm supposed to do. He was like, Katie, get off your phone and talk to the new kid. And I looked up and I said, sup, new kid. And <laughs> that was all I said. Um, Cole went on the mat behind me because Dustin put him there. He was like, you need to be behind her. He's like, I don't teach on the mat. She knows my teaching style. She knows my class style. If you get lost, just kind of look at what she's doing and try to figure it out. Um, so Cole spent the entire 90 minutes staring at my butt. And after so class, I left and he went up to the desk to sign up for a membership and Dustin slid a schedule across the desk to him and said, these are the classes she normally comes to. And then every day for like two weeks, every class I was at, Cole was also there. <laughs> and he was in residency. And he was in residency. He's a doctor. And he, he was supposed he to be at the work. hospital. <laughs> and he was like cutting out of lectures um, to go to yoga. Priorities. Because Yoga Katie was there. <laughs> that is awesome. Um, so we had our first date in October, and I was worried he was a total weirdo. So I brought Dustin with me. <laughs> and so I'm not putting my head in my hands. It's okay. In the next, it's, it's okay. <laughs> this is very, um, it's, it's, it's entertaining. Yeah. But it's unique. Yeah. I, I, do we know any people that aren't unique? <laughs> Because I that that is a Seinfeld. Are you looking at me yeah. because like I just keep bringing these unique people? Well, to I'm you usually wanna... being my. I I love it. You want to bring in more unique Seinfeld desk? So Cole shows up to this date and he can't figure out if Dustin and I are together. And I just wanted Cole Re- to like oh no be friends with us, or if I was trying to date Cole, or if I thought Cole and Dustin were both gay and I wanted them to date. <laughs> <laughs> he spent the entire like evening trying to figure out the dynamic um, before I finally clued him in that I just brought a chaperone in case he was weird. <laughs> so, um, again, this is a space, physically, the home chair is a space of no judgment. No judgment. I, <laughs> I am now hearing two circumstances that were impactful to you where the nature of the meeting was unclear. Yes. Um, just... The other yeah. part, no one knows what's happening, like, but everyone stays. That everyone tells stays. you the energy is supposed to happen. We're, like, We're going to figure out what this is. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Welcome <laughs> to our awesome. life. That's awesome. Yeah. And, we've, uh, we've had some adventures, let's just yes. say. I would be surprised if that weren't the case. <laughs> uh, yeah. It sounds like Dustin in that moment was mm-hmm. happy once it clarified for everyone. Yes. We oh, yeah. He was like, I'm just the chaperone. Just wanted to make sure you weren't going to cut her up and store her in your freezer. <laughs> Which just, is important. It's but, an I important mean, He didn't cut me up, but he did move me to Cleveland. So. <laughs> Ooh. I can't even be mad. That was, that was, that was funny. Uh, yeah, it's not like it was warm in Virginia. I love Cleveland. It's not like it was warm in Virginia. Southern Virginia? I was on the North Carolina border. I could throw a rock into North Carolina. Again. 
<laughs> I swear I was good at, at, at anything National Geography in fourth grade. I was uh-huh. I, I came in second place in a national conference. So, yeah, in, in Virginia. I know there are beaches, but that doesn't, we have yeah. beaches. It's cold. So, so in, I didn't. In southern Virginia, cold is like 50 degrees. That's cold. Um, How far north is Virginia? What am I missing? It is farther north. I need to get yeah. you a map at this point. Yeah, like, I see where it is, and I'm like, no, it can't be. No, that. no. Winter, like, it would drop. And then, um, so when it would snow, the one time it would snow every winter, um, my entire town would shut down for three days. Um, our first year there, coming from Vermont, this was like a total mind shift. Our first year there, um, my parents were dropping us off at school, at the at the private school, And there was a teacher out in Carline stopping all of the parents to let them know that school was going to be closing early today. They were going to need to come pick us up at noon. And my dad was like, why? And the teacher, without blinking, looked at him and said, there is a 30% chance it'll start snowing at 4 p.m. So we need everyone home by noon for safety. Um (laughs) Is the town in possession of uh, rock salt? Um, I imagine they must not be, like, there must have been serious so concerns. There were two plows in the entire city. Um, and one year, my husband was working nights, and we actually had a, a good snowstorm. There were three inches of snow on the ground. Um, and he was at the hospital, and he was watching. They had they were plowing around the hospital, because that was where you, you primarily to sure, needed to yeah. plow. Um, one of <laughs> the plows drove itself into a ditch. So he was watching the town's other snow plow try to pull it out of the ditch. Um, so <laughs> it happens in life too, you know? I can't say anything. Like, I, that, it's... That, like, happens. It like, does. sometimes you run the yourself comedy of right errors all occur. into yes. the ditch. <laughs> and then the only other thing that could be helping you is also sliding into the ditch while <laughs> yeah. trying to help pull you out. <laughs> this is why you needed to be home. Yeah. Well, I think this also, like, brings back to one of the yoga like themes that Katie has done is your air mask. Oh, that that's always my favorite. What is this? So, I I I am the type of teacher who likes to give you something to think about while you're doing your class. Just something to quiet your monkey mind. If you have to focus on something, think about this. Which is why she's like the best. And <laughs> one of the ones that I I go back to a lot because I need to hear it is um that scary thing when you're on the plane and you're getting ready for takeoff, and they're talking about the air masks, and the flight attendants always say, help put on your own air mask before you help other people. And as a child, when I was on an airplane, that was terrifying. I was like, um, my mom's going to take too long. I'm going to suffocate. I'm going to die while she's putting on her air mask. Cool. But as an adult, um, I've learned if you are incapable of taking care of yourself, you cannot take care of other people. So you need to put on your own air mask before you try to help other people. Um, So, a truck driver (laughs) with the plow. Probably should have put some chains on his tires. Probably should have put his air mask on, such as AKA chains, before helping the other plow. (laughs) Yeah. But again, if you're not thinking that far ahead, you wouldn't know that the air mask was necessary because it's a short flight. We're fine. Okay. <laughs> Which is why you need yoga in your life to remind yourself. And like, you've been dis- both of you have been talking about yoga in that way. I'm not someone that has difficulty quieting. I have a weird mm-hmm. past of... Uh, the, the listeners heard this in, in episode one, but uh, short answer is I'm an only child 
left-handed by a mom that had enough significant health things that my entire experience is different. I didn't realize it was different until I started talking to other people, mm-hmm. which didn't happen a lot because I was only a child. <laughs> um, but I listened to Eastern Wisdom and stuff on the walks to and from school. I always went to school an hour and a half early, sat and just sat and listened to the Art of War and Confucian Analects when I was 14 because mm-hmm. that's what normal kids in Cleveland oh, do. Oh, totally. <laughs> but I can quiet my mind and meditate really well. I think my issue ends up being with yoga. I can quiet my mind really well and I take instructions literally. Mm-hmm. So when you're telling me I have to do 10 poses, okay, 10 poses are done. Even if I can or can't. See? I'm very flexible. If you had, had I injure myself. If you had had good matter. teachers. Yeah. Heidi, Heidi knows this. When I, I teach off the mat, so I walk around a lot. Um, and I'm paying attention to you. So if I give you oh, no. 10 poses that you need to do and I see you struggling on number eight, I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to be like, Robert, you can't do this one. I am going to stand directly behind you and remind the entire <laughs> yeah. class that child's pose is an option. So good teachers say, in my life have done similar things. I won't say Robert child's yeah. pose, but I'll, I'll stand behind you and I'll be like, remember everybody. But whether if I'm standing behind you, I'm talking I'm loud. to you. I, I'm loudly <laughs> hearing it. It's, it's, it's like the teacher walking around the test day looking at your paper. Hey, everybody, you just need to make sure that you really think about the answers you're putting down. <laughs> Okay, Specifically sweet. to question number 12. Sweet. <laughs> like... uh, but they didn't know. I would say my experiences were not that. It was, <laughs> these are the ones, everyone can do them. And if it's, if it's a little tough, go ahead and give it a try. It's not going to kill you. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess it's not going to kill I... you isn't something I should have heard. No. In that experience. <laughs> I'm, I'm a big fan of give it a try. Give it a try. I would sweet. never say it's not going to kill you. I would probably definitely kill you. I would say now. I would say if it feels unnatural, like I always tell people discomfort is okay, pain is not. If you are uncomfortable, you are pushing out of your comfort zone. That the best things happen outside of that. Right. Um so if you are uncomfortable, lean into that. Take a breath, see if it goes away. You on your exhales your body naturally relaxes. So take any in, inhale. And as you exhale, melt a little deeper. See if the discomfort eases. If you are at pain, it is time to stop. So what? you should never be, like, killing yourself. No. Okay. <laughs> should I experience yoga? I imagine I have a good friend to talk with now about making sure I get an experience that doesn't <laughs> literally hurt. Um, yes. That's I, interesting. I don't teach at a studio yet, but I have been known to teach Heidi at the lake. Um couple summers ago, we were there while well, we were supposed to be working on a Thursday. On a Thursday. And she was like, I need yoga. <laughs> so we went to Lakewood Park and we were doing yoga and we were in the middle of Warrior 2 and I looked out at the lake and I was like, it's a Thursday at noon. What are all these people doing on boats? Don't they have jobs? While we were doing yoga while we were supposed to be working. <laughs> it was our lunch break and we needed it. break. We needed yoga. That's perfectly fine. <laughs> Because, you know, sometimes you just need to recenter your life mm-hmm. and yoga can do that for you. <laughs> That's interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm loving this conversation. It's, it's really interesting how the specifics of yoga I'm hearing kind of pretty well parallel a lot of the types of stuff that Heidi has talked through in terms of the need for thoughtfulness, mm-hmm. the uncomfortable, the difference between comfort, discomfort and pain, I think is a hard conversation because we're so unused to being uncomfortable mm-hmm. that we think it's pain. And it's not. 
I think it, yeah, and I also think that it correlates, like, a lot of people are oftentimes scared to have those uncomfortable conversations, because sure. it feels, it might feel icky, but really, it's clarity, and I think when you're, when you are in those yoga poses, when you're feeling like, oh, is this uncomfortable, or is this painful, and if you can decipher between painful and uncomfortable, that brings you clarity, and then you apply that to life. You apply that to how you approach things. Yeah, we might have to have some uncomfortable conversations, and that's okay. You don't want to ever push anybody to feel that discomfort, like that, that I'm going to kill, like this is going to kill you. Yeah. yeah that's not what we want. We want that clarity with the uncomfortableness. It's the, it's the human portion of what thinking, for me, it works, <clears throat> and I mean this mostly in a pejorative way. But if something was going to kill me, I what I don't. It's again only try, this is the way I process. It genuinely doesn't deter me, and I don't know that that's a healthy manner of thinking. Like it's it's not it's not risk averse. No self preservation. Right. What's that? But actually thinking through that is not a practice. That there's a lot of things you can do to learn, and it sounds like yoga works as a, it's building a muscle. I didn't think mm-hmm. about it, building. If you're doing it, if you're going into yoga, it's not just, I'm here for exercise. Which, like, if that's your journey, or that's that that's where I started. The first class I took was just, I was, I was there because I was like, it's a hot room for 90 minutes. It's great. Um, but if you are actually going into yoga to transform, your brain is a muscle that gets worked. Um, more often than any of the other muscles. Um <laughs> That's very interesting. Yeah, I mean, it makes tons of sense. But again, my experiences, I'm glad that they are not typical. And I'm glad that I have friends that can guide. Cause I they might be typical is the really? thing. Yeah. I've had some terrible not, yoga. Not, yeah. not naming names. No names. Not naming names. Not on, not on microphone. No. Um, <laughs> I have yet to find a studio in Cleveland that I love. That to me doesn't necessarily indict anybody because no. you show I, this I know what I'm looking for. I have yeah, yours and it's awesome. And I I found ones that I tolerate. Sure. Um, but I have not found one I love, and it's all it's usually because I I will give every I I have had a like introductory membership at every studio in the Cleveland area. Really? I've done the ten class special. I've taken all the ten classes. I take all of the teachers I can. And usually I find, like, one at a studio that I like, or I find one that I absolutely hate, and then that ruins the studio because I'm like, well, if this, if you were hired to teach here, I am concerned about who's making the hiring decisions. (laughs) Um, So it should not be typical. Unfortunately, sometimes it is. <laughs> I will take your experience. Okay, I'm I I am an optimist, so I'm like, no, it's just I I I find the bad. No, it's a little less likely that it's great mm-hmm. everywhere, and that's it. That's unfortunate. But is 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 it was it difficult to get your uh, credential in the once Dustin puts you through the, yeah. the paces? Um, no, uh, it was two hundred hours um, split over two weeks. Um, we had. Seven days where we were in the studio for 10 hours a day. Um, And then we had like a month off. And then we had another week where we were in the studio for 10 hours a day for seven days. Um, We learned like the poses. We learned the Sanskrit names for the poses. Um, There was an hour of meditation every day because the the woman who taught us was very 
she had a standard. In tune with what the point yeah. of yoga should be. She yeah. had a standard and anybody who was going to graduate from her teaching certification and anybody who was going to eventually teach at her studio needed to meet the standard. And that, that standard was yoga is not just the poses. Yoga is the inner work. So we had to do the inner work, which was honestly harder for me than the 10 hours in the studio. Um, I could go through the poses, but the hour of meditation every day was hard. Um, was um, it a solid hour? It was split up. It would be like 10 minutes. Uh, the first day we only meditated, I think, for three. Sure. Um, and then it would grow from there. Um, but that was the hardest part. And finding I was blessed um, with another Dustin, my boss at my real job at the time, who allowed me to take two weeks to not come to work. That's really awesome. Um, because other, it was Monday. It was a Friday night through the next Sunday. So I was absent for two weeks from work. Um, and they let me do that with the understanding that when I got my yoga teaching certification, I would also teach at the Y. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's a self-beneficial. Yeah, a little what? bit. And I think like through that process, I don't know how much Katie wants to get into it, but like the healing process yes. for her through that teacher's stuff. Yeah. Um, that I've. I've lived a life. Like sure. you said, I'm, I'm a bit seasoned. Um, <laughs> and I lived a life that I was mostly just squishing down because my, up until I found yoga, my version of dealing with things was to pretend they didn't happen. Um, and then in those hours of meditation, shit comes to the surface. Yeah. Um, um, which is why that was the hardest part for me. Teach me how to do a handstand. That's cool. Um, make me sit with myself for an hour and I would walk away sobbing. Uh-huh. Um, but I came out a much more intentional person who could then understand why I was the way I was, why I reacted to certain things the way I reacted. Um, it was therapy without a therapist, <laughs> which... I also have a therapist. So. I think we, we all, we like all that. share that. Yeah, at least one among each of us. Uh, no, that is that is really interesting to hear because I don't know that I can say I know education for yoga instructors up here have that standard. Mm-hmm. Some um, might, but so I know personally I'm. We are fortunate to have our own building, but we used to share a building that was rented, and I remember. That not being how classes were necessarily going. Mm-hmm. It, I'm not saying yoga mill. It's not what I mean, but it very <laughs> much felt like. How did they? How could they have possibly learned that much that quickly? Mm-hmm. How are they teaching? Oh no, I I'll make the flyers. That's cool, but I'm I'm good. My back hurts. I can't do yoga today. That's all. <laughs> um, no, so that level of standard. I hope to. I hope to learn in the next some indeterminate period to, to find out where <laughs> Yoga Katie is. Yeah. That's an amazing. That's an amazing name, though. But like, yeah, uh, Heidi, how 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 have you found? Because it sounds like you're a fan of it in general. Mm-hmm. How much of your practice, and not yoga practice, but the practice of your work, how much does that influence what you're doing? Like, I yoga mean, in general. Yeah, I think yoga has just played definitely a central role in how I approach life in general and how I approach my work. Um, I can definitely tell. Some days I'm like. I just need yoga in my life. Like I am so off centered. And when I am able to go onto the mat, it like recenters me. It brings me back to me. Um, and I think that the essence of being, and I think that's why when we were trying to figure out my branding and stuff, I was like, it's so important in understanding 
the being part, the essence of who you are currently. And yoga really speaks to me in, in that sense. It lets me go, okay, where am I today? How am I feeling internally? What am I struggling with? Um, I will say like I have gone into uh, different poses and I don't know, maybe some of the listeners have experienced this. I know Katie could probably touch on this. Like you go into certain poses such as like pigeon. Oh, pigeon. Um, that like, <laughs> that like it can open up things. And yes, I, yeah, it does. Like I've cried on the mat because it like, it's an emotional release of things that you have like, you've just mushed down in yourself and um, things that you've carried around. And as you sit in that pose, it's just like you you reconnect with and let go of. And I think with being able to understand how impactful that can be, um, when you find yourself on the mat, you you will then find yourself in the world. So for people who don't know Pigeon, um, it's, a, it's a hip opener. Um, and I had a teacher who always told us, um, I'm going to swear, I swear, I'm a Yankee. It's perfectly fine. <laughs> okay. Um, so you carry your new shit in your shoulders. You are stressed about work. You had a fight with your your spouse. You yeah. You carry your <laughs> well, that, new shit in your that shoulders. That yell was not placed where I wanted it. Continue. I'm sorry. You you carry your old shit in your hips. So your new oh. your stresses at work make your shoulders tight. Um, the trauma you had in childhood makes your hips tight. Pigeon is a hip opener, and when I teach, we do pigeon every class, and I make you sit in it for. Th- 60 seconds at least. It's terrible. It's a minute. Um, <laughs> there are different variations, so you don't have to sink as far into it as I might or as Heidi might or as the person on the mat next to you might. There are different variations, but you're in it for a minute at least on each side. And that minute opens things up. <laughs> the first time it I makes you cry. <laughs> yeah, the teacher, the teacher who told me you carry your old shit in your hips, um, they didn't tell me that until they had me in pigeon for three minutes in a class and I cried the rest of the class and, and was are... like, what is wrong with me? <laughs> the, I was a student at the time. I wasn't even a teacher. And I was like, what is wrong with me? Why am I crying so much? And he was just like, you're dealing with some old shit right now. Which and... makes so much sense. So I was a massage therapist once upon a time in my life. Oh, that too. Okay. <laughs> it was. Um, which makes so much sense because your psoas carries so much emotion. And that's, like, deep within your hip flexor area. So that completely makes sense. Like, that's where it just, it opened it's, up. Mm-hmm. You just cry. <laughs> you just, that's exactly what I want. I mean, but no, it's, it's, it's probably I'm necessary. making classes with me sound so much fun. No, you're going to cry. You're going to cry. I'm going to tell you to get into child's pose. <laughs> Yeah, you can do you just do child's pose, y'all. If this happens, like no, but I'm hearing a respect for your students' boundaries. I'm hearing a awareness of what the impact of the poses are. I'm hearing a thoughtfulness that's good. It's just a little terrifying because I'm only I've only been in therapy for it's 23 a year and eight months. Um, I have a series. I've had a series of experiences, so I'm only scratching the surface. But again, I'm meditating enough that I'm aware. I see the jar. Mm-hmm. And it's clear, so I see what's in it, but we're not touching that top. And it sounds like I'm going to do pigeon, yeah. Yeah. and the top's going to fall off. Like, it's not <laughs> I, it's not going to be a matter of control. But no. It just will occur. It will just happen. So I've got to make certain I'm prepared for 
what mess occurs on the floor. Like, I'm, I'm talking about tears for the most part. But it's okay because, like, no one's going to judge you no. in, in the room. And, like, that's... Because a, everyone else is going through Everyone right. else is going through their own thing. Yes. But I think that's what's beautiful about yoga is, like, you can go to your mat. You can feel what you You're an individu- are. individual, but you are still part of, like, a collective. Everybody is yeah. dealing with their own things, but you're all dealing with it together. together. That's very cool. And that's what, like, community is about. That's why... That's um, why yoga is a little bit of cult sometimes, but well, not the kind that'll send gives, you to hell. Right. Like. <laughs> I mean, there is a very fine line between a very integrated community and a cult. Like, yeah. usually there's a turn towards one last behavior, which sucks for the cult. Mm-hmm. There is no, you're connect, if you, t- if you deeply connect with others, it's going to be mm-hmm. something that important. So, no, that's fine. <laughs> I mean, no, I'll leave that for another And you'll be able to connect with yourself. I, yeah. I, sure. You know, it's, I, I mean, it's a needed. It's, it is. That's a necessary it component is. of it. Yeah. Because like so often we are so disconnected from ourselves, we don't even realize it. Mm-hmm. Like we we go through life and we just go to work, we get up, we do the things without the intention. And I think yoga brings intentionality to your life. It makes you think, what am I going to do today, and how how am I going to show up? So I'm Heidi. I'm familiar with. <clears throat> At least the later portions of your educational and then professional stuff. One from learning about you to be in that job and one from experiencing it with you. Did you do yoga, Katie, prior to your experience in the nonprofit world or at the same time? Like, how did you enter into I, that? So I took yoga in college as like a college course because I wanted That's an awesome. EDA. Um, it was a half credit for gym <laughs> on a semester when I couldn't take scuba diving. Go so to I took yoga so instead. Yoga That's awesome. um, <laughs> I didn't catch the bug with that. Um, that teacher was wonderful, but she was very much all about the technical aspects, sure. which like when I went to teacher training, it is a lot of it is about the technical aspects, but she was very much just, you know, you're doing this wrong. Your foot needs to be here. Your knee needs to be here. And like, you need that. You sure. need teachers who notice that, but there was, None of the intentionality, there was none of the inner work until I found this studio. And I don't know, I, it was lightning in a bottle. Um, it was this studio, this teacher, I was at this specific point in my life Mm -hmm. where it all came together and worked in a way. I don't know if it would have worked anywhere else, any other time with any other people. Um, but so not really, I had not one I, in high school, I had gone to a class and they made us own at the end, and that made me uncomfortable. And I, mean, I had actually, just... I had actually walked away and been like, "I am never doing <laughs> yoga again." You can't <laughs> just drop that on a room of people. No, they did. <laughs> they did. They got us out of shavasana and they said, "We're going to end this class with a collective om." They didn't explain. And after going to yoga class, I understand om. There is a beauty to that. Um, I. Ohm in my own meditation practice. Sure. But um, you don't just drop that on a class of 20 random people <laughs> and say, we're going to end with a collective ohm and then not tell them why they're doing it. That makes it feel like a cult. Are we appropriating <laughs> something right now? I don't know if this is the right... I, I don't. I, I mean, there are levels of confusion. Whatever benefits you got, now you're confused. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> I, was, I walked out of that and went, well, I'm never doing that again. <laughs> Jeez Louise. So yoga prior to nonprofit work. She she, like. she touched on yoga before nonprofit world. She, but it not it didn't. No, it didn't click. Until yeah. After 
Mm-hmm. So, but she had a little bit of nonprofit experience with the housing authority true. before she was like. In I, I, the worked, yoga world I worked in at a youth center in a government subsidized housing cool. development. Um, Very cool. Yeah. So, um, I mean, given the nature of our relationships, I'll be as light touched as as I need to be. But I am curious. Like, are you currently in, in the nonprofit space? And if not. No. Um, um, currently, I worked with Heidi at the job prior to her last job, where you guys met. Um, and then <laughs> the um, yeah. the busy season ended about, it was supposed to be two months before my son was born. Um, okay. It ended up being about a month, because he came early. Um, and I knew, knowing myself, I knew I was not going to be capable of working and letting someone else take care of my child, especially since no, it was no offense to Heidi. I, sure. I helped put our budget together. I was the one raising our money. I knew what they could afford to pay me and every cent of that would have gone to childcare. So I, it, I was like, why am I going to work 40 hours a week to pay someone else to raise my child when I could just raise my child? <laughs> um, so I teach him. He is a pro at one pose and one pose only. Um, Anananda Asana Balasana, which is happy baby. Um, he's very good at that. He does that all the time while I'm changing his diaper, which makes it a little difficult because his hands are in the way. <laughs> that's awesome. No, I feel like that's that's an awesome thing that touches on the being with, knowing your relationship and seeing your chemistry. <laughs> hey, I can't do it anymore. Like that wouldn't be the kind of conversation a n- less healthy. Um, work circumstance would even elicit like you wouldn't even get a worker that learns in themselves okay yeah I can't do that yeah I like working for them because you could have felt obligated you could have felt I loved working for her but but you made a really good decision with so it was uncomfortable it wasn't painful no no and I think like that's one thing I will say is that I I really enjoy um my, when I had staff or whatever, and I enjoyed working with Katie and I, you know, her and I were able to work tandemly together and understood concepts, um, where I lacked, she like flourished and where she lacked, I flourished. And so we were a really great, great team. Um, and I think being able to be like, Hey, we're a great team knowing that and knowing like, I know she wasn't going to be able to she forward. knew it before like I knew I knew it like and that happened at two jobs at the job yeah. we worked because I worked with her at the Y obviously and at that job um she actually got me my job at her next job because she looked at me one day and um I had been I was opening on Monday mornings at like 5 a.m but I also stayed until nine to close that night and one of my employees one day came and said you know Katie I see like Mondays are a rough day for you I will come in and open. And I started crying. And she was like, I need to get a new job so that Katie can get a new job. Because Katie is not going to leave me here. And I wouldn't have. But this is killing her. And she noticed it before I did. Um, or I noticed it but was like, well, if Heidi's sticking in it, I'm going like... to... Huh. So sticking around through tough stuff when people are cool is something that happens. Yes. It's cool to know. Um <laughs> But no, that all that's an awesome tandem understanding of each other. But then the tail end being, I'm staying if she is, but 
the tail, the, the thing being in reverse. I have a life that's changing. I'm building mm-hmm. my family this way, so I yeah. can't being comfortable doing that. It really, it's a really awesome thing that I don't hear about or see often in in, in um, some of the workspaces that I see people, you know, either on an entrepreneurial level or nonprofit. It's not fostered enough. I think that no. kind of thing needs to be more normal. Both I speaking for you mostly now since I'm just stay at home loving <laughs> it. But um, I've noticed at least in the nonprofit world, it's almost respect it's expected but also respected like you are supposed to kill yourself you are supposed to overwork (laughs) yourself you are it is looked down on if you're like actually no i need to take a week i have boundaries boundaries (laughs) boundaries are looked down on in that space and so we're not laughing at boundaries we're laughing at that that is so true so it was amazingly refreshing to work for heidi where like she if i was incapable of setting my own boundaries she would set them for me a good leader should do that i should should understand i showed up at work one day with food poisoning and i was like i'm gonna work this shift and she was like no no you're going home and I was like, but there's no one to work this shift. And she was like, you're going home. And she's standing at the front desk with gloves on. Gloves on, taking, running to the bathroom every five minutes. And she was like, you're going to go home. And I worked for people who would be like, well, no one else can cover. So you're just going to have to take running trips to the bathroom every five minutes. And don't touch other people. (laughs) So. So it was amazing. Direct your face away from people when you feel weird, but beyond that, it was, do your work. It was amazingly refreshing to work for someone who cared about me, respected me enough to not only respect the boundaries that I did put into place, but often realize when I was not putting boundaries in that I needed to and being like, take a moment, take a week, take a day. Well, I mean, I imagine that's because you felt a way about how the work you were doing was important to you and mm-hmm. your organization. And good again, it's one of those things, good workers don't know their own boundaries all of the time because if you're really passionate, you kind of wouldn't. You're going to no. press against it. Mm-hmm. Well, a good leader will help. No, no. It's time. <laughs> that, but like you said, that's not normal in that industry particularly. No. We're supposed to stay through everything. Through everything. And that, that is a tough, difficult thing because I'm like, yeah, it doesn't matter. I don't break. It's but not I, safe But to I do think that for like, self, as a leader, though, you know, how it kind of correlates to that that yoga Mm -hmm. concept is like being able to recognize where your boundaries are, being able to say, yeah, this, this does not work for me. And like also seeing it in other people and being like, they're struggling. How do I show up my best version for them? Because if I can show up in my best version, that person, then I can assist them and show them how to show up in their best version. And I really think that that's what ties in when you have great leaders, um, them being able to recognize those characteristics, them being able to put boundaries in maybe when you can't or respecting the boundaries that you do put in. Um, I think oftentimes, or at least what I have experienced in the nonprofit world or business world is when you do have boundaries, it kind of throws people off and they go, they go well, what? Like, well, how, how can you do that? You should be doing this. This is what we always do. Just because this is something we always have done doesn't make it right. And just because this is like something we've always done doesn't mean it's okay. And so being able to go to your mat and reflect on that part and then applying it to life and saying, 
I need to respect myself and I need to respect the community. Mm-hmm. And the only way I can do that is to show up as me and being me. That air mask thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, uh, and, and if you've done it this way and we are, if we're doing our jobs right in these organizations, we're reviewing the past. If we're not happy with the outcomes that we've had, why are we so concerned about doing the things we've been doing? So that kind of reflection that you're able to get from a yoga, it sounds like mm-hmm. a good leader would naturally have to apply outside of it because you're doing it internally, hips open, top falls off the can, and now you, you have cry. to deal with stuff. <laughs> yep. That's really interesting. And also, I've I've learned, um, I can't speak for Heidi, can't speak for everybody. I am a much more patient, understanding person um, off the mat when I do yoga. Um, so that scary Sanskrit language. Um, (laughs) There's a word that yogis use a lot. Namaste. Um, They don't often explain what it means. Um, Namaste means that the light in me recognizes and acknowledges that same light in you. And if you are truly walking down that path and doing the inner work, when you're off the mat and there is a employee, boss, random person at a red light mm-hmm. who is pissing you off, <laughs> you take a breath and you remember that what that spark that makes you human is also in them. And even if you respect nothing else about them, you have to respect that, yeah. which adds a level of understanding that I didn't always have. <laughs> <laughs> It's, I, I see how people have treated each other. So I don't judge when people don't have that level of self-introspection. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't know that's what namaste meant. Mm-hmm. I know that I've seen a lot of really, I'm, I'm not going to be a bad designer and just poop on the design. But I've seen a lot of bad designs on Tattoos prop shirts or and shirts. stuff at Target. Yeah. Like, I, I knew it had to have a deeper meaning. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. But I, I also don't know that a lot of people actually know what that means. Or, like, they might wear it, they might say it, but they actually don't know. Th- well, because they don't know. They don't always learn. Like I said, teachers don't. They, they end yeah. class with namaste, but they don't tell you. Or they end class with a collective <laughs> ohm, but don't own. tell you why you're doing it. Um, so I always made sure when I was teaching, like, I was not just like, we're going to say namaste. Every class, even if it was the same 20 students who'd been in classes, I had a spiel. I told them what it meant every time because I was like, I'm not going to make you parrot this back at me without knowing what you're saying and why. That's an awesome, that's an atypical <laughs> and awesome trait to have. <laughs> yeah. Holy moly. So as much as she didn't want to be a teacher, she, she I became is, a teacher. <laughs> you, you were one whether you wanted to be it or yeah. not. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you found a space to do the work that you wanted to do and share it with others. Because, yeah, so when we find us a space, time, and uh, opportunity, I'm sure I'd like to learn from a you or a you-inspired person, whichever way it lands for <laughs> um, No, it's been an interesting conversation. I, the only thing I think I still am curious about is personally what are, what are your thoughts on our, our, our fair city now that you've lived here as long oh see that's what I want I I, if only that clip I, I needed the, like that first face, face. Um, I I am a Clevelander now um, I you don't and you said it with I the right level of it, disappointment I fought it you, for you a while actually are. and I realized I was a Clevelander so one of my cousins is married to a woman from Akron originally and I think it was two years into living here, we were at like a family gathering and she was shit talking Cleveland. 
And I was like, excuse me. Oh. <laughs> and she was like, two days ago, you were shit talking Cleveland. And I was like, I am from there. I am allowed to shit talk it. You are not. I don't know if you heard the first episode. It's that. Yeah. I don't know what that is. That's and great. I then took a step away and went, shit, I'm, I'm a Clevelander. Like, because I, I got yes. mad at her because I was like, it's not your city. They're not your people. You don't get to say those things. I do, though. And then I was like, oh, no. <laughs> Somewhere but, off in the distance, I was cackling in the darkness. But that I being said, one. I've I drank one. the Kool-Aid. I, I have been to every major sporting event. Like, I, I'm Cavs sorry. games. Um, Eer, like, Eerie Monsters games. Um, we don't have a soccer team. Not really. We have the Crunch. They are regular enough. To, if yeah. you haven't been to a Crunch game, That's that the only just one. means I've been fair. to a Crushers game. I've been really? to the Guardians. I've been to everything. Browns. Browns. I, I was actually at the game where they won they, when they beat the Jets after their really? two seasons of no wins. I got in a car accident on my way home from work that day, and I still went to the game. Okay, because no. I was like, they're playing the Jets. They're going to win tonight, and we're going to be there. <laughs> 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 That car crash was the christening. That was the moment. <laughs> because if that's what was in your mind when you're in an automobile accident, it's like you're a, one of us. It's like the butterfly effect, you know? That car accident had to happen so in order for me to become a Clevelander. Oh, um, but yeah, I've been to all of them. Um, whenever Cleveland Rocks comes on, I know all the words. I dance horribly. I you've only scream been the lyrics. Six years? Six years. Um, okay, so that's the lifespan. We've got to yeah. get people to stay here at least that long. <laughs> we were, we planned, so um, when my I had, my husband and I got married two years ago, cool. um, we had originally planned two separate ceremonies um, because he proposed to me on Christmas and then I was planning the wedding and I found the perfect venue, which was the um, old courthouse downtown. Mm-hmm. And they were like, we don't have an opening until October 2022. And I was like, cool, that's fine. That's us. And he was like, yeah, but I don't want to wait two years to marry you. So um, Heidi got... Um, this is that <laughs> yeah. okay Heidi is a reverend yeah um, um, Heidi, that too Heidi performed a a small ceremony in front of like very close family and friends at Edgewater Edgewater <laughs> Beach is where I got married um and then that was going to be the small ceremony. And then we were going to have a big one, which we ended up canceling because um, we bought a house and had a kid. And oh, you I got was, a dog, too. And we got a dog. <laughs> um, we bought a house, got a dog, had a kid. And I was like, we cannot spend 40 grand on a wedding right now. Um, but the last song at that wedding was going to be Cleveland Rocks. As everybody was getting ready to do their like sparkler send-off or whatever send-off <laughs> we were going to do, I was going to make my cousin's wife from Akron <laughs> listen to that song. <laughs> No, see that level of spiteful pettiness. You are, you are one of us. I'm gonna, uh, uh, yeah, um, handshake was appropriate for initial meeting. Now I need to. Uh, Cole got to go. Now where is is he? He's local? from Vermilion. So local. Yeah. Okay. His, so it makes all the his sense whole in the world. family is from the area. All None right. of them have ever left. He left for residency, and when I met him, he was one year into a three year residency, and like on our second date, he was like, "When I'm done, I'm going That's... back to Cleveland." So, however it has to happen, I'm grateful for my city getting better people. Um, we'll save that for another podcast, I think. I have... Transplants. Whole, like, there's, a, there's a thought I have around what makes our city better and not so much better. But I'm glad to know that you consider yourself one of ours. Yes. Um, it's it's interesting. Is there any questions you have for Heidi? Like, between you, this subject, the stuff about yoga is really cool. Anything? I, have, I have questions for her. So... <laughs> Looking back on your life, what is something that you could, or you would like to say to your younger self? 
Um, the cliche, it gets better. But I mean, five-year-old me had a pretty solid life. So um, I think what I would tell myself is like, you're going to live through some shit. But most importantly, you're, you're going to get through that shit. Um, so I probably would have told myself to maybe find a better yoga class earlier. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Then you wouldn't be. Where, I wouldn't be where I am no, right now. Right. Um, weird, yeah. But I would be like, you know, when you're in the middle of it, just keep, just keep pushing through. It gets so much better on the other side. Um, you're going to figure out who you are because being a Yankee in Southern Virginia, um, being of the wrong religion at a religious school, mm. I spent a lot of time feeling other, um, feeling like I didn't belong where I was. And I would tell myself, yeah, you're going to live through that. You're going to sit in it for a while, but you're going to find you. You're going to find your people. You're going to find Cleveland. Um, (laughs) You're going to figure it out. And when you do, it's going to be amazing. Um, Is what I would tell my younger self. What would you tell your future self? Um, Probably... I would tell my future self I need to spend some more time in pigeon. Um, I put my students in pigeon. I don't get into pigeon very. I'm one of those. I walk the walk, but I'm also sometimes like, do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> I'm gonna put you guys in a pigeon in pigeon for a minute, and I don't get in it at all. <laughs> but um, I would tell my future self, um, you know, to just be a little more. Um, I'm, I'm still not great with just being with myself. Um, that, that all mind. of this, all of all this conversation this. and you still believe you, I you're still not believe. wrong because you're, yeah. you know yourself, but mm-hmm. I'm hearing someone that's more present than many people. Many I'm people more I present, know. but I probably could, I could be a little more. Um, and part of that is like, sometimes I am very, very, very present. And other times I am not at all. And it, I would just, kind of remind my future self on those times when I am not at all present. Go unroll my mat, even if it's for five minutes, even if I'm just going to sit in child's pose. Um, (laughs) Just take that time um, and reacquaint myself with myself. (laughs) My last question, which is, I have to say, because this is how Katie and I would always end every single interview and we would know, okay, we're done interviewing this person. This is the question. When one of us would ask it, it was the clue that we pretty much made up our mind okay. about <laughs> this the person we were interviewing. And it would be, tell me something about you that I couldn't tell from your resume that I should know about you. Ooh. Okay, well, I'll just... What's your answer? Let's no, no, no that's shoot. Um, <laughs> ooh, shoot. That's a hell of a question. Mm-hmm. See, that the face you made... I, I probably made it when she, and you weren't even asking me. Um, something that you couldn't tell about me by looking at my resume. Um, I'm, I, I, my jaw, let me uh, hinge my jaw. Um, it's a great interview question mm-hmm. if anybody wants to steal wow, it. Wow, that's We've a- gotten some answers. One, one girl, uh, you weren't in it, this interview. She sat for like, a minute and she was like um um and then she told me i like to knit and not knocking knitting i love to knit but if th- it takes you a minute to think well, of that answer and that's your answer sweetheart like <laughs> ma'am no mine my best hot answer dogs. hot dog 
Um, I like hot dogs. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. I mean, it's accurate. She gave me something I wouldn't know. By Listen, no one puts on their resume that they like hot dogs. And if they are, I don't know that we're talking to you. Like, yeah, I, I, we're not hiring you. <laughs> I kind of want to put that on a resume now. Like, just like under the I footer like in white text. I like hot dogs. So it's in the scanner, but <laughs> Lord, um, I genuinely, that's a tough question. How do you, how do you answer that question? I would, so now, I would answer that as you would not um, probably understand how much more connected I am on a more spiritual level Mm -hmm. by looking at my resume. It's very like, I did this, this, and this. But getting to know me, um, you would definitely see that I am more on a spiritual level of knowing myself. Um, I like to do random things like we've talked about. That Um, is, that is very evident. So I think that would be maybe something I would share. <clears throat> but Katie has like a distinct. I have, but it's we got memorable. But we need to. We close on I've, that. Thing. I've um, never yeah. lost a job I because mean, of it, but everyone remembers it. <laughs> I I like hot dogs too, but that wouldn't be where my mind goes. Um, something about me you wouldn't see on my resume, um, but I need you to know. Um, honestly, the first thing that comes to mind is like I don't quit stuff. You don't, you can't see that. Well, I mean, maybe you do see that because how long, no, you wouldn't really. Personal relationships, my the favorite, my favorite candy I've liked since I was, how, listen. Steel Whoppers. I heard about that on the car, in the car on the way over here. So it's not that I prefer Steel Whoppers. Yes, it it's is. that I do prefer them, but that's not why it's. There's a chewiness to the malt that ends up being better because it's been exposed to air law. It's so movie I, theater whoppers versus like it. That's I should have said movie theater. That sounds more tolerable. So now no, I, I have to, like go to the movie theater and get whoppers. Go to Atlas Seven on Euclid Avenue. I love them. Their stuff is fresh, generally speaking. But if you go like Friday, it's new. Go Monday. Go Monday. And uh, but no, probably that I'm resilient. I don't quit almost anything and to to a degree i'm trying to learn how to unlearn some of that because i'll do it even if it's not healthy mm-hmm. but i i don't quit things so you're like cleveland because cleveland doesn't quit either Un- <laughs> better or worse <laughs> we're always there yeah uh but you what 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 is your answer um i'm a felon <laughs> um so when I was in college, um, I, I love you. Just <laughs> drop it, and you give some time to breathe. And the interviewer, well, this, this little, this little <laughs> yoga teacher who so told like, said, "Be with yourself" is a felon. When you said they didn't stop, that no. no one didn't hire you. I'm like, what could so, that mean? I don't know. I was in college. Um, I went to George Mason in Fairfax, Virginia. Um, so right I outside think a of DC. Friend of mine's kid just decided to go there, and it seemed G-M-U random. You what? Yeah. Um, well, tell your friend of yours, kid. I'm pretty sure that they um, did go to George Mason. Yeah. There's a rite of passage that shouldn't be, um, and it is cliff jumping in the Potomac River, um, which is a felony. Free jumping from a cliff into a river. Yes. Um, I feel like that should be a felony. But I, so it sounds fun. It was so also. fun. Um, it was terrifying at first, but it was so fun. Um, but a group of friends of mine went, we got to school, um, I didn't have, I didn't have my license yet, so my parents had to drive me five hours to school, and then they stayed for, like, a night, and then they drove five hours home, and the day they drove home, a group of friends of mine were like, 
let's go cliff jumping in um, Great Falls National Park. And I was like, yeah, let's go do it. So we parked. We didn't want to pay to park in the park. Um, so we just parked on the side of the road and we um, climbed over a fence to get into the park, um, which should have been my first clue. <laughs> <laughs> this is not an entirely legal endeavor. No. But... Um, so then we find the cliffs and we're jumping and we're having a great time. And um, then these kayakers are like in kayaking in the river and they're like, hey, you do know it is illegal to swim in the river, right? And we're like, we did not know that. Especially because there was a swimming, a designated swimming spot 30 yards away from us. Um, and they were like, yeah, you, there's places where you legally can swim and there are places where you legally can't and you are in a legally can't swim place. So the group split in half. Half of the group went to the Maryland side of the river and my half went to the Virginia side of the river. The Maryland side of the river got caught by cops because they were watching the river. Um, they had to pay like a $50 fine and they had to walk back to the cars barefoot. Um, my group, we're running through the woods trying to get back to our cars and these cops come upon us and... They're like breathing kind of heavily. They're 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 not the most athletic people, oh, I, and I, I, we're I, a bunch I, of college kids. Yeah. Um, and they're like, "Hey, hey, you look like the kids who were swimming in the river." And one of my friends was a bit of a smartass. It wasn't me. And he looks at them and goes, "No, officer, I just sweat a lot, kind of like you." And now we get. <laughs> and that, listeners, is why sometimes saying nothing is better, better. than saying something. Mm-hmm. So we ended up handcuffed in the back of cop cars and driven to the police station and charged with a felony entering the Potomac River. Um, I had to call my parents. They had just gotten home. I get them on their landline and I'm like, hey, you need to wire my roommate some money so she can bail me out of jail. And my mom is like, okay, we left you five hours ago. <laughs> what has happened? Like, what did you do? And I'm like, um, I, I, apparently... This is a direct quote. She put it on a plaque for me. It's hanging in my house. (laughs) Apparently, it is illegal to swim in the Potomac River. And my mom, like, pauses. And she's like, were you drunk? And I was like, no. And she's like, were you doing drugs? And I was like, no. And she's like, were you naked? And I was like, no. And then there's this other pause. And then she's like, why the hell were you arrested then? And I'm like, I don't. No. Um, but I had to go to court. I had a court date. Um, they were nice. They were lenient. It was actually off of my record now. I had to do 100 hours of community service. And I have a lifetime ban from Great Falls National Park. <laughs> That's... I am never allowed back there. <laughs> Your mom with a quote of the episode. If we did episode titles, that if this were my podcast, that might end up, were you drunk? Were you on drugs? drugs or were you naked? <laughs> a memoir. Like that's that the title of my book, Later in Life. <laughs> that that would not be on your resume. It and would that not is be. a hell of a story. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not even your fault. You aren't no, I oh, went man. with the crowd. <laughs> so sometimes you don't go with the crowd no. and you know what your boundaries or are. Or if you're swimming if your in the Potomac River. Jump off of a cliff, will you? Or if you're well, in the Potomac shit. River, you get out from the Maryland side. <laughs> Life lessons. That is a hell of a story, Katie. And I don't know that there is a way to top that. Um, but I am exceptionally grateful for you being present. Um, Heidi, keep be, just you two keep being you. And I suspect there will be more of this. Uh, and, and Katie, you're absolutely welcome to be back anytime um, you want. And, happy to. Um, 
I'm, I'm probably going to bother you whenever you find yourself in that space of doing yoga stuff again. Yeah. Um, good instructors are, I guess, harder to come by than I thought. And we want to yeah. extend that opportunity. But no, um, Heidi, closing out an episode of a podcast that, like I said, last episode was not a thought 140 days ago. How do you feel? I'm still super excited. I woke up. I texted you both. I was like, it's podcast recording day. <laughs> you did. Um, uh-huh. I was, I just, I think being able to tell stories and connect with people, connecting with ourselves, teaching people how to connect with themselves is so important. Um, I think that kind of speaks to what, you know, BN Blossom is and, you know, how it rolls over into BN Master. Um, so if anybody is out there that wants to connect with us, we are always open for topics and we love to talk and connect and thank you, Katie, (laughs) for being part of my life, (laughs) for, for coming here and sharing your journey and sharing a little bit about you and uh, the important topic of just connecting on the mat. That would be a more appropriate title, connecting on the mat. Um, Less fun, but more appropriate. Um, (laughs) But no, this is really amazing. And I look forward to the next opportunity we have to have an episode. Um, Yeah, thanks, dear listeners. We probably are going to talk sooner than later. And yeah, that's kind of it. Shall we close out this episode with a collective um? Um. Um. I don't know what's next. (laughs)